Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Loops Podcast. My name is Kevin Forsyth, and on this podcast, we discuss God's Word, His church, and everyday life, always asking the question of how does this loop back into our life and God's kingdom? Our goal in this podcast is to share people's stories and have meaningful, powerful discussions about the kingdom of God. So thank you so much for joining today. Our guest today is Brother Marvin Ramirez. He is the pastor of the Spanish ministry and Spanish church here on the grounds of GBFPC, who just started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, He shares his testimony of how he was raised in church made some decisions that drew him away from God um, and how everything through all his journey, his testimony led him to where he is today. It's a powerful testimony, a powerful episode. And so thank you so much for joining. Stick around at the end. And welcome to Loops. so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I know a couple of weeks ago, you shared your testimony and your story, actually a month or two ago yes. um, now. And wow, what a powerful, powerful testimony. I wanted to have you on to share that and to kind of walk through your journey. But now you've also helped start a Spanish church um, here on the grounds of GBFPC. And I want you to kind of dive into that as well. Um, kind of walk through where the burden began for that, some of the challenges that you've you have all faced from that starting it, um, and any testimonies that you, you may have. Uh, but I want to start out with your testimony first, um, and kind of go into the journey from you know where you've all started into where God has brought you today. So I'll let you start wherever you want to start in your story, and then we'll kind of build off that. So the part I can never leave out is my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother. I'm third generation apostolic, third generation Pentecostal, third generation 238. So that was always there in the forefront. And I remember growing up, I'm six years old, we're playing. And when about eight o'clock would be coming around, my brother and I wanted to hide. We always wanted to hide, come eight around eight o'clock. And sometimes we would. And my grandmother would go looking for us, my, just for my brother and myself. And she'd find us and she goes, it's time. And we knew what that meant. She'd sit us down and start reading the Bible, like the Bible stories, Moses, David, Job, all of these stories. And then at the beginning, we used to feel that she was, maybe she didn't like us because it was only us two that she would do this. Little did we know that it would change our lives forever because now as, as an adult, I cherish those moments. So it was always a sequence. She would read the Bible stories, wash our feet. For, I don't know if it was cultural, but she would always wash our feet. After Bible reading, she'd wash our feet and put us to bed. And it was always in that sequence. And it's something that I always cherish and remember that she did with us. My father, um, preacher, Back in the 80s, it was very common. You don't, if your father's going to preach on Sunday, you knew because Saturday he would go into his bedroom, lock the door and prayer the Mm. whole day. And my mom would say, don't make noise, your dad is praying. Don't make noise, your dad is praying. And we knew and we tippy-toed throughout the house. And 
Everything was silent, and the only thing you could hear on Saturdays was my father in his room praying. And we grew up learning that, and, and we had to go to church on Sundays, and it used to be Wednesday nights for us. And as I grew older, I choose to go to Bible college. It only made sense, you know, because of my father, and it came so natural. All the professors, I enjoyed every class I had, every professor I had, I enjoyed it. And they would give us sometimes on some of the materials, we'd have a month to turn the, our project in, our homework. I think within the first two, three days, I would be turning my homework in because I wouldn't sleep. I'd hammer everything out, turn my homework in, and I was excited and it was it was amazing. And I ended up moving into a different church, different pastor, and here I am. I start serving at a young age as an assistant pastor. And back then, the way things were, as an assistant pastor, if the if the, your pastor was in a meeting till two, three in the morning, as an assistant pastor, you sat out in your car till two, three in the morning, and then you would drive your pastor home. And I had children, my children would comment that they remember falling asleep in the pews because their dad was in a meeting mm -hmm. all the time. This is on me. I, mean, I won't say that it was anything the church or my pastor did. I burned out. Mm. I, I burned out. I, I, I was burning the candles on both ends because I had a full-time job. So sometimes I'd be getting home at two, three in the morning. I'd, I'd take a nap. I'd be up by six. That's hard. It, and I'd be up by six. And, and then I'd, I'd go to work. I'd rush home. I'd take a shower and go out to the Bible studies, the cell groups. So I had to oversee the cell groups at the same time. So I'm trying to juggle all of these things. And my wife constantly is like, you need to take a break. You need to take a break. And I will. And I will. And I will. And I just felt that I hit a wall. I, I, I hit a wall and I couldn't shake it. Did you feel that it was hard to take a break because you were working in the kingdom and, and you felt like you had to do you had to do this work? There's no time for taking a break. I didn't know how to tell my pastor no. Mm. He wasn't just my pastor, he was my friend. And he worked that much, so I felt I had to do the same. He had a full-time job as a pastor. He had a full-time job and he ministered the church at the same time and he had a family as well. So I'm trying to run right next to him the whole If he time. can do it, you can do it. Exactly. Yes. The Apostolic Assembly ends up moving him to another state. They move him away. They needed him to in, a, in another state. So they move him. They bring in a new pastor. I'm still serving in the same capacity. I'm still functioning in the same capacity. And I think I only lasted for about another two years. And then I hit a wall. And I was unhappy. Truth be said, I went into a depression. 
I never, I don't think I said that in my testimony till today. This is the first time I'm actually acknowledging publicly. I went into a depression and I couldn't shake it. And I went to church. I went through all the motions, but I couldn't shake it. And I just stopped going to church. No one wronged me. Nothing happened. It was just me. You were so busy that you just overworked yourself. You had no time to focus on God or your family. It even stopped being about God. Mm. It was about everything else. And it, God, God was there in the beginning, but I disconnected because I was so busy. Right. My prayer life diminished. My fasting, my devotionals were non-existent because I had so many things to do on my plane. So I functioned as the assistant pastor, as a treasurer, as I used to oversee as well the cell groups. And I had a full-time job. I had my children, my wife. I had no, no time to pray. I feel like sad. I feel like some people think that they have to be busy to feel like they are being used, which sometimes can hurt, can hurt you in the end. If you're too busy, don't have time to put your focus on God or your family on the other obligations that you have. I feel like that's what, you know, kind of led you in that direction. I could see that. Definitely. I, I, I didn't pray. And I go into a state of depression. Um, I think I was sometimes I'd come home and I would go to bed right after work. And I was done for the rest of the day. And I had a difficult time coming to terms with what was going on in my life. Things just went downhill from there. I, I leave the church. And I had a great career. God had blessed me in chemistry. I was working in chemistry and I had, had the opportunity to travel. I used to travel for the company I worked for. I leave the church. I leave God within two years of leaving the church, of leaving God, the company that I was working for ends up filing a lawsuit against me saying that I had stole proprietary information from them, that I had taken all of the I'm drawing a blank. I, I wrote all the formulas. I wrote the formulas for a lot of things that I used to do in the chemistry. Mm -hmm. And I wrote the formulas while working for the company. And he says, you stole the formulas. Well, I had memorized all the formulas because I constantly, yeah. I was always thinking about it. I was there for 15 years. I lost everything when I walked away from God. Everything that God had blessed me with and I couldn't get a job. I was blacklisted in the industry. This is back in Nevada, uh, Carson City, Nevada, to be exact. I'm blacklisted. I can't get a job for the life of me. The little savings I had, they're flying out the window, literally. I, I, I'm trying to survive. My brother who lives here in Bakersfield, he says, what are you doing? Move down here. Let's go to work. And so I end up in Bakersfield in April 2019. 
working in construction industry, I hated it, hated it. Uh, coming from the chemistry industry into construction, it's night and day. Yeah. Far from my family, far from everything from, from my life. I grew up in Northern Nevada and I end up here and I'm hating every moment of it. And God was the last thing on my mind. 2021, I, I started looking for a church and I'm thinking, okay, I, I need to start. Seven years have gone by since I've been to church. Mm. It's been seven years. So growing up apostolic Pentecostal, we understand the facial hair. It's not because it's biblical, it's because it's obedience. Right. And I respect that and I understood it. But in my rebellion, first thing I do, I grow out the beard. And I start looking for a Pentecostal church and I found several with the name Pentecostal. Nothing to do with Pentecostal movement, mm -hmm. very different. And I went to several of them. I think I made it through the first 15 minutes. And you just knew, because your past, you, you grew up in the Pentecostal. I grew up in the Pentecostal and, and within 15 minutes, I was out the door. I'm like, yeah, no, we, yeah. I, I couldn't connect. Right. I couldn't find a Pentecostal here in Bakersfield and it was a little frustrating. So I end up in a different denominational church and I start serving there and, and I'm thinking I'm doing okay. God has to acknowledge, I'm thinking, I'm justifying my actions. God has to acknowledge what I'm doing and I'm serving there. And then every time that the, the Trinity would come up, I'd sidestep that completely. I didn't want to disrespect because I understood where I was. So I still didn't want to disrespect them. Right. So I'm sidestepping every single time that topic came up. The one is hard serving in something, you know, like that, having the roots that you had or have. Yes. Very much. I always wanted to bring up 238. Like, listen, you got to look at this. Like, yeah. if you give me one single person baptized this way, I'll accept it. I wanted to say it, and but yet I would bite my tongue constantly. So I start teaching. I'm teaching there. I'm having a great time. And But I'm still not right with God. And I knew that. I, I knew that. I wasn't right with God. And I'm there and... I'm serving and one night I'm, I'm, I'm in my bed and I have a dream and God says, you're not where you need to be. And I forced myself, I remember I forced myself to wake up because I didn't like that. Mm. I didn't care for God calling me out and all day this was Friday night into Saturday morning, all day it's bothering me. It's eating away at me. And I remember that Saturday night, I, I said, God, if this was you calling me out, telling me that I'm not where I need to be, you're gonna show me where I need to go because you know I've tried. I've looked for a church, I can't find anything. Saturday, uh, Sunday morning, I wake up, I have to do a walkthrough. We had to remodel the house. We have to do, I have to do a walkthrough Sunday morning. And typically when you do a walkthrough after a remodel, 
you're there about an hour. And I'm thinking, okay, if it's after 10 o'clock, I'm not going to church. I'm already looking for a way out, which I knew when we do remodels, you're typically there with, an, with, with the customer an hour. You're looking at the walls. You're looking at the finish. You're looking at everything. They want to verify before they give you the final check that you did what you were supposed mm -hmm. to. And I'm already excusing myself to not come to church. And I already had seen a church on, on Google. I find it and we're doing the, and I show up, she shows up a little bit late. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm not gonna make it. She shows up a little bit late. She jumps out of her car. She goes, Marvin, I just came off a 12 hour shift. She's a nurse. She goes, I just came off a 12 hour shift. I'm not in the mood to do this. Give me the keys. If I find anything, I'll let you know. Have a good day. Clear sign right there. <laughs> that reminds me of the story of Jonah. Like you, like you, he's given this direction. Like I have to go here. But every time he's running, God's like, nope, I need you to go here. And just moving him and making those moves to push him to where he needs to go. Yes. Yes. And so I said, okay. I'm like, okay, I, I'm still within time. So I drive in. I pull into the parking lot and I have the deer in the headlight look because I'm noticing people are walking into the Libby Center and I'm like, okay, that looks like the sanctuary. Why are they? I'm like, okay, gentleman in a golf cart pulls up next to me. He goes, can I help you? And I said, looking for the sanctuary. He points me to the Libby Center and, and I said, okay, I'm going to walk in and I walk in and there's a couple standing there and they go, can we help you? And I said, I need to ask you a question. Are you a Pentecostal church? They go, yes. I said, another question. Are you a Acts 238 Pentecostal church? Yes, again. I said, okay. And she looks at me and she goes, I recognize you. I said, no, I get that a lot. I said, I have that one of those faces. I get that. A <laughs> no, she goes, you work construction. I said, yes. You did work at my house. I'm like, I oh, did. Wow. She goes, yes. And she goes, if you go to my house, you're going to remember my house. You're going to remember us. And she goes, do you want to sit with us? And I said, yes. So I sit with them and I'm sitting there. They haven't, the service hasn't started yet. Sunday morning and they start singing. I couldn't tell you for the life of me what they were singing. And I'm sitting there in my chair and I broke. And something inside of me says, you're home. I couldn't help myself. I couldn't contain myself. And I'm just breaking. And everybody's probably wondering, like, what's wrong with this guy? Within the first song, I'm, I broke. Something I had not felt in a very long time, over seven years at this time. And I break and, and I start crying. I remember Brother Brock was preaching. I remember he was talking about surveying. <laughs> I, that's all I remember. And I broke again in the sermon. I don't know if it was a survey or I, I couldn't <laughs> tell you, but I broke again. And then they did an altar call. And next thing you know, from my chair, I realize I'm at the altar. And God just starts moving upon me. And they had already told me we have evening service. 
And I already had excused myself. I don't think I'm going to make it. But thank you. I'll, I'll be here next time. But when God was moving, it's something I couldn't deny. Right. I, I couldn't turn away. I said, I'll, I'll see you evening service. And they told me prayer starts at, at you know, a half an hour before. I showed up for prayer. Mind you, nobody knows my story. Nobody knows I'm third generation Pentecostal. Mm -hmm. I've served as an assistant pastor. Nobody knows anything of me, about me. And I come in and I'm at the altar and I can feel the presence of God pre-service. And God starts to move again. And everybody is just so welcoming. Everybody, like I knew everybody. I was home. Mm. And it was amazing. I'm going to back up a little bit. My son, my oldest, Ivan, I, I love my kids. When I left the church, he says, we can't talk to you anymore because you live in sin. And we had this conversation maybe several months ago. He had discarded me. He had written me off. We can't have anything to do with you. I continue to fight to be in their lives. They're my children. And now he says, it's interesting that we all wrote you off. We all thought that was it. But God never wrote you off. Mm -mm. And God brings me here. And the interesting thing is not too long ago, about three weeks ago, there's a couple of family that showed up. Same thing happened. God spoke to her in her dream. And I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> what's going on? You know, God's working. God is working. Here's a kicker about it. The Bible says that young people will have vision and the older people will have dreams. I'm like, Dream okay, dreams. God, <laughs> what are you telling me? I'm in the older group. Go back to that point you said. I think the one thing that hit me the hardest was when you decided to leave God, the hedge of protection that God had over your life, he let it drop. He didn't let go of you fully. He still had you, even though others may have written you off. He still had a hold of you, but the hedge of protection was around. Your job fell apart. Things started falling, like completely falling apart on you. As soon as you left um, living for him, that hit me so hard when that when when I heard that, and it just strengthened my faith that I was like I'm never, I'm never not that I I fear God. It's, there's a, there's a healthy uh, fear of the Lord that you need to have. Amen. But not like I, I'm scared of, you know, of him taking things away from me. I love him so much that I, I don't want that. But you had just said that God never let you go. He let you follow your path for however long you needed to follow those seven years and brought you back to here. That just hit me so hard when you had told that and the, the first time I heard your testimony. So here's the thing, and, and I, as I reflect back on it, <laughs> Everybody told me how horrible it was to move to Bakersfield because I'm moving away from home. I've lived in Northern Nevada my whole life. I'm, and now I'm here away from my family, away from my world that I knew that I was comfortable in. So I moved here in April uh, 2019. I moved into Bakersfield and 
here I am in an industry I know nothing about. And I, I was constantly still talking about chemistry because that's, you know, what I've done for 15 years now. And now I'm not there. And I'm here in Bakersfield. And I feel that God allowed all of these things to play out because I was directing my path. God has given us the free will. Right. And I took advantage of that because I was not consulting God. And at any point in the in these seven years, I'm not consulting God on what to do. But God turned everything around for good. All of my wrong decisions. And I end up in a church where embrace me. And everybody here, I remember within like the first week of being here. Uh, Brother Matt, Sister Heidi's are like, come on over. So, sorry, let me backtrack. So, Tuesday comes around. Sunday was amazing. Tuesday comes around. I'm going to start getting ready for church. And I look in the mirror, and I did not like what I was looking at. So I said, Marvin, it is time. You've worn that beard for seven years. And I took the beard off. First time in seven years, I'm taking it off. And I was wearing it with pride and like, I realized I was being rebellious. I was saying, God, listen, I understand why we don't wear it, but I'm going to wear it anyways. So I took it off without hesitation. Everybody's like, what are you doing? Don't take it off. I'm like, I'm going to take it off. And I took it off. I came to church and it's been the best decision of my life. Right now, it's been the best decision since I started attending. I love the approach Pastor has had. Everybody here, the, the way they've welcomed me, Brother Matt, Sister Heidi, they did a, a thing in, the, in their backyard and they invited me without knowing me. And everybody in the church has done the same thing. I'm like, who are these people? And <laughs> like, why do they embrace me without even knowing me? I'm waiting. I grew up in old school apostolic. Now, obviously I'm gonna age myself here. Old school apostolic, when you were, you had done what I had done, they would bring you up to the front of the church and they'd turn you around, make you look at the, all the congregation. He's done this, 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 and this. He's gonna be put on probation for X amount of years and he's going to wear the scarlet letter for X amount of years. And I was waiting for that, and it never happened. And I realized this is the love of God. I think every single time I was looking for a way out, because I was thinking, if they do that, I'm out. If they do this, I'm out. If they do this, I'm leaving. And at every turn, I'm treated with love. I had a I was having a very difficult time. It was a battle within me because my flesh wants to find the reason to leave. And I couldn't. First time I bring that one up, by the way. I've never shared that one because I was looking for reasons to leave yeah. here. And just the way Pastor Bradford embraced me, the church embraced me. So I'm serving as an usher. And I remember we're in Cafe 43 
pastor comes up to me. He goes, we need to think about the Spanish ministry. He says that to me in passing. And that was it. Didn't say anything. Any After that, I left it alone. He says it to me the second time. Same thing. I, it goes in passing. I, I don't think much of it. And then the third time he brings it up, I'm at the altar and I feel something that asked the question, how many times do I need to ask you? And that made me very uncomfortable. I, it, I, it didn't leave me alone after that. Like, how many times do I need to ask you? So I start putting things on paper. I, I start putting things on paper. We're excited. And then I'm sharing with the pastor. I said, here's some ideas. And he's giving me green lights. And I'm like, come on, fight me on something. I'm, I'm, I'm raising myself like I'm ready. Yeah, like, yeah. tell me something where like, no, I, I disagree or I think different. And he's embracing everything. He's open to everything. And then I give them a list of the people, like, here's the people that I'd like to work with. And I'm not thinking much about it at the moment. And the reason I'm saying that is because we're moving into the Spanish ministry. You would think everybody would speak Spanish. Brother Matt doesn't speak Spanish. Brother Matt is in charge of the sound and the media. And he's lost his hearing in one ear. And he doesn't speak Spanish. And there he is, and he's doing an amazing job. He started mentoring Joe. Pastor mentioned him yesterday. I don't know if you saw yeah, Joe yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And I told Brother Matt, I said, thank you for mentoring him because I'm seeing what he's doing. So God is using people that don't speak the language. Brother Arias, Sister Arias, They've been sitting here. They, they. I think we came into church right around the same time. From what I'm, what I've heard, we came into church right around the same time. And Brother Arias grew up pretty much my lifestyle. His father's also a minister, a pastor. So when we connect, all of these things start coming into play. Like, oh my God, we have some of the people that that play the guitar, they play the drums, they play the keyboard, they don't speak Spanish. And I, I had to ask, I said, how are you guys doing it? Like, I would think you have to speak Spanish. And they go, no, we can hear it. We understand it. I said, that is 100% God. Oh yeah. 100% God that these people don't speak the language but God is using them in the Spanish ministry. Right. They're hungry to be used. Joe doesn't speak Spanish. Um, and I've, I'm going to apologize. I don't remember the gal's name. She's in the, uh, the media. She's projecting everything on the screen. She doesn't speak Spanish. Every time I say the verses, I say them in Spanish. And I look up at the screen. I'm waiting for the, her to make a mistake. She doesn't make mistakes. I'm like, That's awesome. This is God. Yeah. And it lets me know that God is willing to use anybody as long as you're right. willing to be used by God. 
Right. There is no barriers. You know, we can't say, I don't speak the language. So I start telling everybody, these are the departments that I'd like you to serve in. And everybody's questions me. They go, there's no name where the pastor is. I said, yes, there's no name. I said, that's up to Pastor Bradford, who God and Pastor Bradford choose to put in that position. I said, that one is not up for to see. Right, right. I, I'd like that position. Right. I said, that's the one that we're going to allow God to put somebody there. Everything else, all the other departments, we're assigning people and everybody's accepting I turn in, I turn everything to Pastor Bradford on a be there service. I said, here's, everybody's accepted. And he's going through everything and he goes, you haven't put down who the pastor is. I said, pastor, that's your decision to make. And that's between you and God and whoever you choose to put there, we're gonna honor him, respect him and support him 100%. And he smiles and he says, brother, you're the person. It took me a second. It took me actually more than a second. <laughs> and the pastor doesn't know this, but I didn't sleep that night. I said, why me? Not in a negative way, but why me? Right. I would have never picked me given my past. I would have picked somebody else. There's such an amazing roster of ministers here. Probably would have put one of them over this. And I'm thinking, God, why me? I called my dad. And my father, he's a very John the Baptist type of person. Okay. <laughs> he catches you sinning. He's going to let you know immediately you're going to hell. My father will, without batting an eye, without, you know, stressing or overthinking yeah. it, you're going to hell. And I called my dad. I said, Dad, I, I need to talk to you. And he says, okay. And I tell him everything. And he goes, so what's the problem? He says, who told you this? I said, Pastor Bradford. He goes, is he your spiritual leader? I said, yes. Is he your pastor? I said, yes, you need to understand that as your, if he's your pastor, you're subject under him. He's your authority. You have to obey. I was hoping my dad was still going to give me a way out. <laughs> and he didn't. I, I was not expecting that of my father. I thought my father would say, you're right. I'm looking for somebody to give me the reason why I should say no. I, I accept. This last visit, I was with my fair parents. I went to go visit them. My father looks at me and I'm in the living room with my mother and my father and I'm about to say bye. And they go, can you do me a favor? I said, yeah. He goes, can you pray for us now? But not as our son but as a pastor. Wow. It broke me. It, it, it broke me and, and I prayed with them and then God just moved. 
And as I'm seeing this grow, because we're getting like 12 visitors, new visitors per service. It's amazing. We're on our fourth service. It's like, this is 100% God. Right. This is nothing but God. We can't even say this is us. This is right. our ability. This is our style. This is how we function. This is God. And one of the things that I love about the Hispanic community, if dad and mom show up, they're going to bring their kids. They're going to bring their cousins. They're going to bring the uncles. They're going to bring everybody the with unit. them. Yeah. 100%. And that's what's happening here. They're bringing their families. And there's one of the gals that shows up. She's been there since day one. She's been to all four services. And this Sunday, she brought her husband and she brought her son. So we're seeing the hand of God just moving upon this. And we're seeing everybody that's connected, everybody that's working in the department, the Spanish ministry, they're committed. Yeah. And they love it. And to see the changes in every single one of them as they're growing, they're developing leaders in the process in such a short time. Yeah. I'm like, and as I take a step back and I take a look at these last two Sundays evening services, we've had a full house. Yeah. We've had a full house. And I'm telling God, like, what are we going to do for 238? <laughs> God will make a way, right? <laughs> Amen. Right. We're going to have to have multiple services just to get everybody oh, yeah. in. And because I believe that God is honoring everything that the right. pastor is doing. And it puts a fear of God in my heart. Like, I need to make sure I don't make the mistakes I've made before. I need to make sure I have my right. devotionals with him where I have my alone time with him in the right. mornings, in the evenings, and I stay connected because my son, Caleb, is watching me everything I do. He is my little Joshua that runs around with me, and he is there. He carries my Bible, my laptop for me, and I'm like, I'll carry it, and he goes, no, I have it. And I go up to the altars on, on Sunday evening to pray with people, and he's standing by my side. And I'm thanking God because where would I be without him? Right. <clears throat> what would I be without him? And now I talk to my children, and it's different. I tell them about God. I tell him who he is, what he's done, and my gratitude is different. My relationship is different. It's, I've been able to grow. Yeah. It's been amazing <clears throat> to see God help you pick up all the pieces throughout the years. And even though everything had happened with your past, God had that position for you from the very beginning. And this is why I wanted you to share this testimony and the fact that I know you helped start the Spanish church and now you're the pastor of this church. Through the, what you've been through, the decisions you made, 
growing up in the church and then making a decision, I'm no longer going to live for God. God takes everything away from you, completely falls apart, but he never let go of you. And that's what I want someone to hear today. And whenever, wherever you listen to this or watching this, that's what I hope someone gets that no matter decisions you made in the past, God still has a hold on to you until you let fully let go. God will still hold on to you. And it's just amazing to see what God's doing in your life, um, helping you put all these pieces back together. <clears throat> and we're praying for you. We're praying for everyone in the Spanish ministry. We're praying uh, for all the families that are coming, all the lives that are coming into that service. And we pray that God speaks through you. Amen. And, and moves through. So um, it, in regards to time, thank you so much, um, Brother Marvin, for, for sharing your testimony and going through everything that you have, your, your journey into um, where you are today. God is, is working your life. We're praying for you. Um, and just thank you so much for, for being on. Thank you for having me. Of course. <laughs>